good. His was better. The difference? Showmanship. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Well, let me tell you something. Well, let me tell you something. 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 Let me tell you something, man. Fans, it's time once again for two differing generations of men to debate and argue over a Huckster sideshow attraction with the same level of ferocity as you would find in an episode of Making a Murderer. Yes, it's the professional wrestling discussion podcast called Let Me Tell You Something. I'm your co-host, Lorcan Mullen, and with me as always is the Doc Gallows to my Carl Anderson the Tony Mama Luke to my little Guido Maritato, the Shane Douglas to my Johnny Ace, Mr. Simon Cross. Simon, how are you doing today, mate? Oh, that's brilliant. Dynamic dudes. Hadn't thought about them in quite some time. <laughs> I'm, do- I'm doing good. Uh, little side note on John Laurinaitis. He got married uh, recently. So Congratulations. Proof positive if there's always someone out there for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, Nikki, Be- Nikki and Bree's mum, uh, interestingly enough, for oh those who don't follow Total <laughs> I do not follow Total Divas. You weren't aware of this? My God, the Christmas get-togethers that they'll have in the future. <laughs> oh, my God. I always figured that John Cena legitimately didn't like John Laurinaitis because that time in, in Money in the Bank, when uh, Johnny's going to go try and get them to ring the bell for him, and he clobbers him with the stiffest shot that we have ever seen from John Cena. I mean, it was insane how hard he hit him. It was like, I never knew you had that in you, John. It's, uh, he was in one of those situations. You, like, you couldn't... I think you just had to go balls to the wall for it. I think that was him doing one as a, as a locker room leader there. I think that was one for the boys, as it were. Yeah. Well... One thing that sometimes I am complimented on when I make this show, Simon, is my introduction. Because I think it is important when you do a podcast that you want people to listen to you, you have to make one hell of an entrance. And that is why today we are discussing entrances in wrestling. Now, I I would say, first of all, Simon, I don't know about you, but when when I was a kid pretending to be a wrestler, the two things that I would always like to pretend to do is doing wrestling holds, wrestling moves on bed, but also making the entrance, putting on some music and storming around the bedroom as my as I make my way onto the bed. Because I think that when people think about wrestling, I think when a lot of people who aren't into wrestling think about wrestling, very often they'll think about the outrageous entrances as much as they will the, the wrestling itself. Would you agree with that? What were you like did you do uh, elaborate entrances or imagine you were doing elaborate in- entrances when you were a child? Um, yeah, well, when I was a child and... Um, and into your later years. <laughs> into my later years. Now, now sidebar for mm. everyone here. 
I have, I guess, the privilege of having a tweet of a video of me mimicking the Sasha, Sasha Banks sort of sass. Goodness. Wearing the uh, Banks on its shirt and the uh, mirror, the the uh, vent shades, I think you call them. I'm, yeah. I'm not down with the kids. <laughs> that were given to me as a joke Christmas present. Favorited by the woman herself. My um, goodness. On, on, on Twitter. Yes, uh, so for those of you who know how to look, my, I haven't bothered with any privacy settings on Twitter, you will be able to find me looking like an ass. Well, uh, yeah, so, so many yeah. jokes to make there, but I'm not going to make them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, we, uh, I, I was, I mean, I know we, we I, I want to like uh, establish why, what we're discussing to our listeners very early on, is that we're discussing entrances as a whole. Yes. Uh, Not so just was... the music. We will discuss the music, but I mean, I've said I was saying to you in the messages we were relaying each other in the build up to this episode. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. We do prep work. <laughs> this is this is how professional we are. I didn't literally this just just happen. No, no. Oh no. no, God, it's like you know, it's like you don't look this gorgeous in the morning getting out of bed. You got to work, sonny boy. <laughs> and um, so yeah, this is um, so. We we will talk about music, but I think music in you know is entitled to its entire episode in itself. So it's really the whole package we're talking about. Uh, let's let's go from the start. One thing that I do like about entrances, especially with entrance music, is they can be a great way of sort of causing a trigger Pavlovian response from the crowd, and usually that is in cheering or booing. And very often, I think the best wrestler entrance themes or entrances, have something to denote what's about to happen. You know, it's like an immediate thing. The most obvious example would be... The glass smashing. The glass smashing of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, We've also got Taker's gongs, uh, the car crash sound that comes with Mick Foley. Yes, you've got uh, Uh, Dean Dean Ambrose's uh, revving up motor now. Uh, CM Punk with the TV static... Um, the... Jericho's Break the Walls. Yes, yes, Jericho used to be with the Countdown thing. Uh, I, I still does he still does that, it. still does that. And uh, NWO would be like, New, New, New World Order, and what have you. So it's that's the thing, it's about that automatic hooking people's attention. And I, you know, um, so what are some of your... Uh, first impressions with entrances. What what do you think is the key thing that a wrestler has to impart when they make their entrance? Oh, I think there's two. Well, no, scratch that. Three. There's three types of successful and en- like big introduction to an entrance. One's the one we've just discussed: the iconic entrance music uh, sounds. So you clearly know who it is, and as a result of knowing who it is the kind of events that are going to go down. It sort of sets the scene. Mm. The other is the slow build ones we have. Um, so, for example, again, Taker's Gongs could technically count as a slow build as well as a quick denunciation denun- of you know who it is and what's going to happen. Mm. And the third one is obviously um, the less... Well, for comedy characters, it's just like, okay, clearly... We're going in this direction with who's in the ring, and we're going to have some kind of comedy-based interaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, Santina Morella's um, operatics—I go for operatics yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. at the start—or you have Fandango's uh, first few bars when he obviously is classic Fandango and not that god-awful Latin ballroom dancer Fandango gimmick that happened for a bit. 
But comedy characters, Doink especially, there's a good example of, okay, we're going to have some fun here. But interestingly, as well with Doink, when he was a heel, it, it tripped you up almost because it started off with the traditional circus theme music and then within about five seconds, it's suddenly you get hear, uh, you hear this maniacal laugh and it turns into this minor chord sort of um, drone music. Do you know what I mean? It went... I mean, I could go on for ages about 1993, Matt Bourne doing the clown. It's one of the great underrated characters ever. And he was a guy that really, really had a great entrance. If you look at, for example, the one that he did at SummerSlam 93 when he was introduced by Jerry Lawler as his um, substitute for their match, he he would do these amazing moments. He would snap. And he told you so much about his character that he exuded he would try to make you think he was a clown and then just in one split second he looks at the tv and it it emphasizes the camera and it emphasizes this sort of split personality and it's and it's an idea as well you're making an entrance both for the crowd and for the viewer at home because if you look at it the entrances should be like the least important part of them when when a movie's being made they always say take out the fall or something like that take out the footsteps where like don't bother with someone walking down the corridor if the, that does anything except uh it, unless it's like a dialogue scene if it doesn't actually tell you anything just cut straight to the room cut straight to the action with wrestling you don't get that they don't just cut straight to what's going on in the ring a lot of the time they want you to see the entrances the entrances can take up to four or five minutes at times and that is in itself um you know, it's 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 um it's as much a part of the show as the wrestling itself. A re- a great wrestler usually has something in the way that they enter. They usually have something special with their entrance. Very often, they'll be given additional paraphernalia as a means to emphasize that they are more important. I remember when Bret Hart changed his entrance music up um, to that sort of remixed version of it, which was heavy on the high high level um, high notes on the guitar. He, that was when he started to get the pyro as well. Very often that was a signifier of how important you were if you got pyro with your entrance. Mm. I mean, that's... You don't... In terms of pyro, they seem to have tailed off that. Um, I think that's a budget issue more than anything. I'm not so sure. I think that's a uh, wrestling versus sports entertainment thing. Also, I think it's a health and safety issue. I think it was WrestleMania 24, was it? The one yes. in Orlando. Yes, where they, uh, they caused... it was the opening pyro, which yes. I, no, I don't think any significant injuries, but and you know, also injuries nonetheless. Famously, the elimination chamber one where the Undertaker's jacket ends up being caught on fire, <laughs> and uh, the Undertaker did some very fast movement at that point that seemed very out of character for. Him. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing, isn't it? The entrance conveys a character. If they're walking with a cocky stride, if they're walking with serious intent, if they're walking in a two-step rhythmic sense to emphasize that their gimmick is that they're a ballroom dancer, whatever it is that needs to be done, that conveys the way that you rest. You know, so many actors, it's about the way that a ca- they'll look at how a character walks, how they hold themselves. So, you know, do they walk with hunched shoulders? Do they stride? Do they strut like a Vince McMahon type of character? Well, Austin characterizes that purposeful walk he always had to the ring as his BMF walk. Uh, you know, bad motherfucker. I'm just here to smash you up, basically. Mm-hmm. And you can see in his subtle way, 
because he doesn't move. All you know, you have, we've seen him like you know backstage in segments. It's not like he's always walking like that. His his character is walking like that because his character is always purpose driven. Mm. He's got a goal, beat up some dude, mm. get closer to what I want. Mm. That simple. And he had a ritual as well, like how a lot of footballers have a ritual. A lot of sports people have rituals when they're making an entrance. I remember Rio Ferdinand going through all these sort of elaborate steps that he has. I remember Paul Ince would never put his shirt on until right before they went out into, out of the tunnel. There was all these sort of these rituals. And so with a lot of wrestlers, they would have that as well. Like William Regal always wipes his feet before he enters the ring. Stone Cold Steve Austin always does the stride, walks to each individual corner. I'm guessing that goes in a pattern as well. One to the opposite to the far side to the opposites and does the two arms in the air. And and again, so brilliant about Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's one of the great entrances, but it's not elaborate. It's a walk and it's a very simple pose. He doesn't have any great intricate movements in there. It's, Nor does he need any just like tools. yeah, just like he doesn't need any elaborate costumes with his tights and everything. It's mm. literally just black tru- black trunks, black boots. Walks to the ring, acknowledge the crowd, but not pander to the crowd, and just get on with the fight. Yeah, I mean, conversely with the Rock, again, simplistic, slightly more more difficult pose to pull off. More more um, crowd focused. Yeah, because. He's... The subtle difference between The Rock and Austin is Austin's just going, just showing himself to showing himself to the crowd. The Rock's drawing and face Rock especially is that arms up for longer. He's trying to draw in from the crowd and the way that he inhales. That's him kind of mm. you know he's smelling the crowd, but he's breathing it all in. He's taking that moment and he's absorbing the energy, I suppose, as it were. Yeah, um, which is, again, part of being the people's yeah. champion. It's the subtle details. Yes, yeah. but let's talk quickly about entrance music, though. One thing I think we should make points about entrance music is very often when people make their lists, they always say, what's the best entrance music? They're very often saying, what's the best song? And that's understandable. But some of them are might not be great songs, but they're perfect for characters. Most obvious example I would give, do you remember this, The Right to Censor? Now, their entrance theme was literally just a siren going off and a slightly menacing bass line underneath, if you heard it. Mm. As annoying as that sounds, you're never going to have, you're never going to listen to that on your iPod, you know, like you might have a, I have a playlist of, actually, yeah, I have a playlist of wrestler entrance themes on my iPod right now. You won't have that, but that is perfect for the team. The right to censor shouldn't have some catchy. We are the right to censor, and we're going to stop people from taking off their clothes or anything like that. Yeah. They should have just, because it's no fun. Like, this entrance theme is no fun. We're no fun. Again, <laughs> such a simple way of conveying their characters and also the way that they would raise their arms in the air. as a they, they So to imply we're doing this for your good and we appreciate your support, even though they're not getting any support at all, you know? It's very much a politician star wave, isn't it? Mm. Yes, yes, very much so, yeah. Uh, uh, again, to converse that with a point, a guy I've mentioned previously, Santina Marella, that, those opening bars, you know, straight away, comedy Italian. Also, let's let's point this out as well if you listen to a previous episode and i recommend you listen to all our episodes one of the reasons that we've made this a show where we don't talk about the latest up-to-date news at the time of recording we're literally one week away from wrestlemania 32 but there's a decent chance you're not going to be listening to this until it's like wrestlemania 36 so we want it to be 
fresh. We want it to be fresh to your ears as much as it is to everyone else's. Of course, by WrestleMania 36, they might have decided to get rid of all entrances because Vince McMahon's lost his bloody mind. But, even more so than before. But, as it is, we, we think, and it will allow our backlog of episodes to still apply. So we would recommend that you listen to the episode, What is Sports Entertainment? Where we take that term that Vince McMahon likes to categorize wrestling as, as a means to make him feel like he's more important and doing something beyond just a standard wrestling show from the territorial days. And we agreed that our Mount Rushmore embodiment of um, of what is sports entertainment was entrances, specifically WrestleMania entrances, but the whole show and spectacle. Now, Vincent Mann might like to lead people to believe that he was the man that made it so the wrestlers came out to entrance music and it wasn't just one person coming in and then another person coming in and the referee announcing them as they stood in their respective corners. They made it a whole show from start to finish. The entrance was as much a part of it as the matches themselves. Now, he might have helped popularize that, but of course, the credit goes apparent as legend goes. The credit goes to the fabulous Freebirds when they are in Texas entering to Freebird by Leonard Skinner. So, but but even then, it was uh, obviously Vince McMahon maybe had seen that and incorporated it more because when people went to see the fabulous Freebirds, they didn't just see them wrestle; they saw them make. They came to see them make an entrance. They came to see. Michael Hayes take off his robe in a very suggestive fashion and then do a moonwalk across the ring, as well as seeing him and Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts fight the Von Erics or what have you, or Junkyard Dog or whoever. Um, similarly, people didn't just go to see Hulk Hogan drop the big leg and do the big boots. They came to see him walk through the crowd, pointing in the air, pointing at his opponents, looking to the crowd for their approval. And that's, again... Because the entrances are where the crowd plays their role as well. The louder the crowd are usually signifies how important a wrestler is. You know, when, when you look at house show reports on uh, wrestling columns, they always like to list the five best reactions and the five biggest boobs. And that's yeah. entirely down to the entrances themselves. The entrance and the en- the start of the event, which is the, the start of the match, which is the entrance, and the end of the match, which is the final pinfall, in theory, those are the moments that should elicit the, lo- the loudest cheers and boos. Sorry, I just went on and on there, but the, no. uh, you concur. <laughs> no, no, you're quite right. I mean, um, having been on a house show, uh, having been in several house shows compared to like live TV, it's definitely... Uh... The first house show you go to, it's definitely a different experience because you think, what does a non-jazzed-up entrance look yes, like? Because they don't have all the special effects and the camera movements and everything. It's just them on usually a very bare-bones entrance ramp. Mm. You know, it's not the big raw stage setup or anything like that. Occasionally no Titantron either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they have to really play to that crowd. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's uh, it's definitely a throwback well, that, in that, uh, which I think is why I think people another reason why people put more importance on it because house show entrances the response they get is more based on the character themselves as opposed to oh it's a cool entrance with all these like bells and whistles. Mm. Have there been any in- instances of you um, being impressed by someone's individual entrance at a house show? Something that surprised you the way that they came out, the charisma they were able to exude that you maybe didn't see from watching them on, on telly. Any of them um, stand out? Or not, necessarily? I I had one underwhelming experience, which, again, I've covered on the pre- I have covered on the previous episode, so you listeners will be able to 
to cross-reference this, uh, when I saw Bailey at a WWE house show. Um, that was that was underwhelming, not because Bailey was like underwhelming, just because I was like, oh, okay, the the WWE audience really doesn't know too much about her. Uh, at this precise moment in time. So it's just like a little bit of, oh, okay, the connect between WWE and NXT isn't as strong as I'd like it to be. Did that surprise you at that moment? Uh, Did that sort of hit Yes, but but in hindsight, it shouldn't have, Mm. uh, because house show crowds are very different to TV crowds. Well, yeah, I mean, we'll do a whole episode about NXT and the different audiences that are are seeing different shows, because I remember when I was watching the... um, Toronto Network special when Enzo Amore and Big Cass came out. They did get oh, a good reaction, mm. but it was interesting seeing him do his whole my name is Enzo Amore, and they cut to the crowd, and there's frankly, a lot of blokes reciting along with every line and lots of kids just sort of standing there not sure what the hell's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, 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 was a, that was a weird crowd at, a, uh, at Roadblock. Um, because it was that sort of hybrid crowd. Yeah, yeah. But to go back to my original points, one of the most impressed I've ever been was a month later when I went to an NXT house show event when they toured the UK. And uh, Bailey's entrance was really, really very good uh, in terms of like, it will convey, like it, even without all the TV and camera angles, that it's still a spectacle as it as is whereas before she was like a surprise tag partner on the previous event so i think that played a little bit of a factor into it mm. uh, especially because it showed me how adaptable and genuine bailey was because one of the wacky waving inflatable on filling tube men uh didn't fully inflate and after uh she went over spoiler alert <laughs> on the house show um she you went know, back you really can't her. say spoiler alert if you said it after that yeah. Uh, yeah, also, true. can you spoil a house show? I don't know. I doubt I that's going to get a DVD release anytime yeah. soon. Fair point. Um, I think you get a bit worried about the whole spoiler culture sometimes, Simon. Yeah. Just be like um, me. Just be an asshole. Not fair. <laughs> Bruce Willis is a ghost! Ooh. Ooh. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> what? What, because I spoiled Die Hard 5? <laughs> oh god if that that was the plot that'd be interesting <laughs> um but to go back to my point bailey's wacky way on the father for two man had inflated uh and she got there and she had to the, the crew member was signaling what she had to do to bailey and we could see the crew member and then uh, especially because it was a british crowd the whole oh and the moment it went up just Way! Uh, I think it's held that if it was a first British show, I don't know if she'd quite done it in the same way because she had a few British crowds and experienced it. It's just how she worked with the audience she has. It shows me she's, with the freedom she has at NXT, she's helped cultivate a really, a character that transcends what it should be targeting. Here's one thing I always loved about entrances when I was a kid. And when I would walk to school, I would imitate this part. So I was imitating entrances even out in public, but people might not realise why I was doing it. And this kind of shows what what era I grew up in, and that was that the baby faces, nearly all of them, would high-five the people by the guardrail. That That was like my biggest dream when I was a kid. I wanted to go to a show, but I specifically wanted to be by the guardrail 
so that I would stick my hand out and hopefully one of the good guys would catch it on the way through. But that was always, I always loved it. The Rockers would do it. Tito Santana did it. Bret Hart did it. Randy Savage would do it when he was a baby face in 92. I can't remember if he did it in his original run. I see no reason why he wouldn't have done. But I always loved that. Again, another sign of them working the crowd, really, showing that they're a good mm. person. Someone sticks your hand out, you shake that hand. Whereas with the heels, you know, they go... Alexa Bliss does that, actually, I know, just on NXT. She always goes like she's going to shake their hand and then pulls her hand back like the total bitch that she is. But she's she, super hot so she can get away with it. Yeah, she she's very good at that. Another good po- uh, show there would be... Um, would be Daniel Bryan in his no phase. Yes. When he, was, <laughs> when he ran into Brock Lesnar guy <laughs> and uh, we had a bit of a dueling chant with him. Mm. Um, but that was a very unique heel interaction with the crowd compared what? to like the conventional bad guy interaction what? with the crowd. One of the entrances I loved actually of recent years was the Daniel Bryan entrance when he did the show in Birmingham at the NEC, I think it was, or the NIA, and he was in Team Hell No!, and him coming out, just the crowd lost their minds. And just the loudest yes chants, and he was trying to do no. But in that moment, it was maybe one of the first signs of, hang about, this Daniel Bryan, that the crowd's really taking to him. Because, again, that can be a sign if someone's starting to get a reaction. Because I remember when um, the Royal Rumble 2003, when John Cena's theme tune came, that caused a bit of a Pavlovian response that was noticeable. When the crowd reaction starts to become noticeable, that's a sign that they should start pushing a guy. And, you know, lo and behold, John Cena was within a year and a half their golden child at that point. And, and I bet they would probably pinpoint moments like that when they got maybe the loudest pop of the night to... Okay, the crowd's taking him. That's that's another great one, actually. One of the reasons why I love the Royal Rumble so much is you get 30 different entrances. <laughs> and, of course, from 96 onwards, when they en- when they added the entrance music, that also... That's why that's one of the reasons why I love the Royal Rumble. It's this, this rare sight of so many different, hopefully wacky out there, distinguishable characters... Mm. And they all have notable. They all have their own entrance themes. They all have their own entrance styles. Very often, they will uh, tone down their whole um, uh, ritual in the Royal Rumble ones because they're just going into the ring. They've got they're just sprinting into the ring. Yeah. But it's also interesting those that would run and those that would walk and those that would saunter. I remember in in the old days, like Rick Martel in 1999, going sprinting down to the ring, and Jesse Ventura saying, "What a wasted amount of energy." Whereas in ninety, which he also Jesse Ventura also um, also used that line uh, for Warriors' entrance at WrestleMania six. Mm, mm. Yes, yes, it is very true, and that was a long ramp. Everyone else yeah. was taking the uh, mini rings to the ring, which I always loved. I wish they bring those back for one <laughs> show. I loved those mini rings. <laughs> I think old school Raw should have uh, the mini rings. Look, I've ah, I shouldn't give this away. But I'm never going to get into a WWE scriptwriters meeting, so I really can. This is if I was to pitch, if you uh, here's one for you, maybe for a later episode. If you could pitch one character, one gimmick to the WWE, mine would be a guy that becomes obsessed with watching the WWE Network and all the old stuff, and then he goes on YouTube and everything, and he becomes really obsessed with like the 70s, 80s era of wrestling, 
And so he decides he's going to embrace it all. Basically, I'm saying, what if Tully Blanchard got frozen in 1988 and thawed out in the modern era, Austin Powers style? Give him a mullet, give him a robe, have him cut promos on his opponents in those little box, you know, picture-in-picture boxes from the 1980s. (laughs) Have him come out in the Royal Rumble with the old-fashioned countdown clock. And again, he made his entrance in the picture-in-picture box instead of, like, getting the music and everything. And at WrestleMania, him being the only person to come down in a little, you know, in a mini ring. ring. Give him a diva, have a moose upper hair and everything. I just, I wish I could pitch that to Vince. If anyone in the future hears this, you're entitled to having that gimmick for free. I just want (laughs) to see that gimmick so much. And if he won the tag team championships with someone, he would actually have his belt changed to the old 1980s version. (laughs) And and his partner would still have the copper penny one, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, see that... That that would be good. Um, that'd be a Damien Sandow sort of gimmick, you know. That that that, that kind of that uh, that'd be that'd be interesting. That would. Um, in back to entrances though, as a yes, whole, sorry, I mean, yes. we've we've discussed music. Uh, we've discussed examples we've seen where. Oh, can I just keep on on the high five side of things? Oh, sorry. Yes. Can I just because I didn't finish that point? That was one of the things that upset me about the Attitude Era. I think because everyone started to be all cool and badass. So they would sort of go down the Austin route of not really acknowledging the fans. I mean, Hogan never high five the fans really either, but I think that was more kind of his um, God amongst others, God amongst men sort of... And also maybe trying to exude that sort of uniqueness, that specialness. And he was still acknowledging the crowd, you know, with the cupping of the hand and everything. But he wasn't doing the, the high five as he made his entrance. And the only people that did that back in the 98, 99 was DX... And I don't know if that was just a deliberate, they, they thought it was still a cool thing to do, or if they were trying to be unique at that point. Mm. But I did always love that. And, but no one really does it to this day, except for Rey Mysterio, actually. That was another thing I always loved, Rey Mysterio. I've always loved his entrance, jumping up when he used to jump up from the thing, and when he'd see a kid with a, with a mask on and he'd do the head-to-head head thing, on. I always thought yeah. that was a great... Little way of making the crowd feel like a part of the show. Like I said, uh, yeah, that's what the Brett... entrances do. And the entrances are a moment where you don't just get obnoxious chants all the time, which is what fans seem to want to do during the body of the match. But go to the previous episode about the wrestling fan for to hear <laughs> more of my rantings against that particular strata of society. <laughs> um, one of the points there you've made about obviously Mysterio incorporating that the crowd, I mean, Brett was the classic example of that with his giving of the glasses to, um, yes, the kit, uh, to the child. Uh, one, one thing that's just a really touching much for me. Um, when I went to get my haircut recently, uh, one of the, you know, you get into conversations about all kinds of topics with the people that are waiting there. <laughs> and one guy overheard that I'm going to WrestleMania, um, 32 soon. Um, Sorry, I just wanted to drop that in. Mm. Uh, all, right, all right, don't rub it in. All right, all right. Um, but anyway, and he was just there, and he's like, um, my son's actually uh, was given Brett's glasses because he was at front row for one of the um, one of the English events, wow. and his son actually got given a pair of Brett Hart's glasses, and it's just like, oh, how great a moment was that? Yeah. Must have been for that kid. And I was just thinking what what that would be like for the kid, and thinking. It's like because the, the like the guy was like, oh, he still got them somewhere, or somewhere I think, and it's just like, does he still have them? Does he still? 
appreciate the value of them? Does he still think they have value? And it's just, I think, you know, you go off on that little tangent about yeah. unless you how someone takes it and yeah. goes with it. Unless you were to completely disown wrestling and just not be interested in it anymore, I would yeah. think there'd be no reason for you to ever throw that away, like, deliberately. It's not a huge storage space filler, you know? No, no. It's not like me trying to get rid of my DVD and book collections, you know? <laughs> I need these extra five square centimetres of space. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's, it's not a big ticket item to need to be throwing out. No. So. But again, I, again, as a kid, I just loved the idea. of being... I was always annoyed when Brett would do that on some of the pay-per-views and what have you, and, and the kid actually seemed slightly indifferent to it. Uh, one of the best ones was the one he did at WrestleMania 10, and the kid seemed to sort of stick his tongue out afterwards, which Jerry Lawler found very amusing. <laughs> Not a Brett necessarily, but he just, I don't know. Yeah, um, but yeah, that was always a great spot. No, no one really does that anymore. The Hurricane did that briefly, where he gave his mask to a fan. And of course, Rey Mysterio would take like his first mask, give that mm. to one kid, and then move on. Bailey gives out the wrist. Yes, the yes, wrist she does, thing. yes. Um, and that's the only other one I can really think of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At least... Yeah, but there's there's another thing accoutrements. That's Ooh. that's one thing about wrestling that I always like. Well, I don't always like it, but I think it's always a nice little touch. If a uh, each wrestler has sort of an additional piece of clothing that they then shed before the match, you know, like how a lot of UFC fighters will have. Well, they usually have sponsored T-shirts and the like on them. But rock, you know, boxers always have their robes. A lot of wrestlers used to have the robes. None of them really do anymore. Actually, the um. If the if the um what are they called the um the revival they have their sort of smoking jackets so what 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 yeah they they towels. seem to be part of the whole uh, not smoking jackets sort of yeah. sports jackets I mean whatever if you look if you look to a non because uh, I'm assuming the character the gimmick you were pitching was a comedy gimmick mm. uh, of the network guy. mostly yeah 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 if you look to a non comedy version of that. The closest equivalent we have at the moment is Dash and Dawson, uh, yeah. the revival, because uh, they are very much dressed like you're watching pre nineteen ninety uh, content. Yeah, 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 Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard are the obvious ones to compare them to. But, but again, yeah, was... that fits into what they're trying to do as yeah. characters. Yeah. They yeah. they they are being that tag team that everyone kind of. Heart, some some fans harken back to why can't tag teams work like yeah. classic tag teams I think then. The problem with that will always be uh, with Dash and Dawson in particular. Uh, I'd never liked that name because it was one of their first name and one of their surnames, which always slightly bothered me. <laughs> it's either Wilder and Dawson or Dash and Scott. It can't be Dash and Dawson. That's not allowed. And so now That's they're called the, re- the Revival. Yeah. Um, I just don't know if they're going to elicit booze. Was there anything in the entrance that... Because the whole thing is that they're just no-nonsense. So because they're no-nonsense, they don't really acknowledge the crowd. They don't bother with the crowd. They don't deal with the crowd. And if you don't they, bother with the they crowd... Have, they pretty much have the... Like uh, Austin's uh, BMF walk on the Yeah, go. but... Austin's not, exuding, not, not Austin's exuding badassery. Whereas yeah. Dash, whereas Dash okay, and maybe, Austin... Maybe focus is a better word. Yeah, but, and they exude that too, but they don't... They're not doing... Well, they are doing stuff to get booed, but I don't know if they'll ever do enough to make Vince McMahon feel like they need to be on the main show or anything like that. They're a great... They're a great. Te- they're like a very technically competent mm. sports person who always manages to be like... He's, they're like Gary Neville. Not incredibly 
talented, but they work bloody hard. But they're James not, Bell you know, those aren't those aren't the people that actually maybe an even better example would be Paul Scholes. You know, the guy that all the other footballers thinks amazing, but actually doesn't really get the credit he, he deserves because he's because he's not flashy. He doesn't play to the crowd like a David Beckham does, like a Ryan Giggs does or like Cristiano Ronaldo does but if you ask any footballer worth anything they'll tell you how amazing Paul Scholes was or, oh, or yeah. now in modern day guys like James Milner uh, Michael Carrick you know I'd say Carrick more than Milner if, yeah. we're, if we're going down that route especially in a, in a field where it's not just sports it's sports entertainment then the entrance is a vital part of it and you have to be able to work out. It doesn't mean it has to be the be-all and end-all. If, if, if you're all entrance and no, nothing else can go, then you're only going to get so far. Do uh, you have a example of that? I do have an example of that. I was going to save that for Mount Rushmore. Is it okay if we do? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's fine. I mean, um... I t- what I also like is if a wrestler incorporates... Um, not necessarily psychology, but uniqueness to an entrance. Like if there's particular matches where their entrance is a little bit different. One of the examples I always love is uh, Dean Ambrose. If he's about to fight someone that he's been waiting for a long time to get his hands on, then he walks with a different kind of purpose. He walks more, and, and usually that's a sign that the match will start very quickly. Stone Cold Steve Austin's the same. If he's about to fight someone who has like done done him wrong, then he just. Very often they start fighting in the entrance ramp or he just runs in and immediately starts fighting. He doesn't bother with the corner poses like he does when it's like WrestleMania against The Rock or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I always like that when they, when they maybe incorporate a bit of uniqueness, especially if they're like selling injuries from a prior match, like a, a Royal Rumble example from this year, 2016, as we record. Kevin Owens entering with a, with a limp and, and really emphasizing that fighter aspect to him that he keeps going and then dean ambrose when he makes his entrance and him and kevin are like getting ready to go again and dean's like you want to go partner let's go another time and and he's sort of loosening his shoulder up and everything before bret hart when he came out for the second match of wrestlemania 10 really selling the leg injury as he was making his way into the ring and sort of showing how much trouble he was in given that he was against yoko zuna who looks relatively fresh by comparison after his lex luger match um, and uh, CM Punk was always very good for that. I mean, he he'd walk the ring gingerly for like two, three weeks after like an injury angle, mm. like which is something you rarely see, mm. annoyingly, <laughs> from other wrestlers. Again, another wrestler we just want to go through quickly who was uh, great with his entrances that didn't necessarily acknowledge. I'm not saying that you've got to pander to the crowd because look at Jake the Snake Roberts's entrances. He's holding his sack. He, he never really high-fived the fans, whether he was good or bad. But he always had that look of intent in his eyes. That was a thing. Yeah. He came he that... through the screen in that regards, that, you, that conveying. He had that drive. And also, because he had the snake and everyone knew mm. what was – he had the sack and everyone knew what was in the sack. The sack itself Signified, drew the fans yeah. in. It was a sense of menace that he could exude. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. He was amazing at that. Um, so – that, that's that's really the sign of how great these guys are. We're literally just, oftentimes, we're just watching them walk. Which in any other form of, like I said, in any other form of film, theatre, what have you, very few times do you see that. How many famous walking scenes are there in movies? Reservoir Dogs, um, the ending to The Usual Suspects. Um, that doesn't really count Lawrence of Arabia because it's the mule, it's the camel walking, not the human. 
Do you know what I mean? I was about to say Django when they like ride off, but yeah, that count, ride <laughs> so off walk off. But yeah. if that, but if that's the counts, then we can't count Rusev's WrestleMania entrance on a tank. So yeah, I mean, I, that, we've got to get, uh, to that, haven't we? We've got to talk more about WrestleMania specific entrances, the the yeah. real big events, and and again, they sort of add a, an additional. Very often they embrace the campness of it all, I suppose. Like <laughs> the pageantry, pageantry, pageantry is the other way of calling it. But yeah, like uh, Rusev entering on a tank, <laughs> so brilliant. I love that so much. And the marching bands, and, and also they they were very often wear like more blinged up versions of their costumes. I remember Lana had like a a, a mink uh, scarf so cool. or something like that. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, no. yeah. Very much so. It shows what kind of matches they believe in and what what they be, think is, okay, this is the reason we have sold tickets. Mm. Uh, Rusev Cena was one of the hottest matches WrestleMania 31, and as a result, it just made sense for one of them to have a special entrance. Here's the thing. Well, was that whole John Cena, USA, America, fuck yeah entrance, to what, what, what ratio of that was sincere to camp? Oof. I think to oh, anyone else, I, I, it's about 50-50. To Vincent McMahon, because it's against a Russia, yeah. to one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's a, especially because it's a someone representing Russia and Vince. Vince is a man. I think well, Vince, Vince probably still thinks the Cold much... War is still happening. He's he's only just watched Rocky Four. I was about to. Well, I was going to say that Vince McMahon is a man who wants to who wants to live in the eighties forever and always. <laughs> so I. I, I, was I, I think the longest time. I, I think he does genuinely, but like what I, if not believe, wish that the Cold War was still happening, just for nostalgia's sake. <laughs> it's all tickets, damn it. Yeah. So yeah, and uh, so the WrestleMania is always usually it's it's pretty much always WrestleMania. The only other ones I can think of is occasionally SummerSlam. They do a big thing like uh, when DX made their big return. I think that was at SummerSlam. They entered in a tank. They had a tank. Uh, uh, Hulk Hogan had a massive, massive American flag uh, for his match against Shawn Michaels. Okay. One of the hugest things of hugest American flags I've ever seen. Uh, there was the Undertaker coming out in a hearse at SummerSlam '92. Though that might as much have been for the fact that he walks very slow and that entrance ramp at Wembley Stadium was very big. It was very <laughs> long. You know, we don't have we don't have too much time here, guys. Did we bring the mini ramp? No. Yeah. Did we bring the mini ring? No. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but there's another there's another aspect to it, the um the the set design. And that's one thing that a lot of people complain about with the WWE now in particular. We are we are being pretty WWE heavy on this, I've noticed. Um, because I guess they're the ones that, that do the whole... Well, I mean, if you look at PWG, they are not. They don't allow themselves to show the entrances, I think, in their DVDs because of copyright issues. Mm. Um, but with um, Vince... Uh, with um, uh, Where was... Oh, yeah, with the stages, one thing I've noticed, and a lot of people complain about this, is that they're very, very samey now. Outside of WrestleMania, they're pretty much all the same. Titan, Tron, and the um, LED lights... And there's nothing particularly unique. If you look back at the uh, late 90s to the early noughties, there were very much thematic entrance ramps. Uh, Backlash had those sort of swimming, swinging steel girders around the place. And um, Money in the Bank had like, uh, you know, if you like your two bank vans. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, oh, I remember Over the Edge with all the 
cars, the broken down cars all over yeah. the place. And, and very Armageddon would always have a very also, like. They also helped with that era's main event wrestling style, which was them wrestling around the entrance areas and through the crowd and everything. So very often Austin would use something as a specific weapon. I, remember, I think he would swing uh, like one of the girders into the face of his opponent or he'd back body drop dude love onto the car. Yeah. Uh, and what have you. But even even little things like when Taboo Tuesday, Cyber Sunday would have that entrance ramp, which was the uh, QWERTY keyboard down there. <laughs> there's not really any of that because there's not really... I mean, there are thematic um, pay-per-views, but they're more about the matches themselves as opposed to any idea behind them, like Cyber Sunday, Taboo Tuesday had. Mm. Um, Do you think that's why... Um, I don't know if you'll agree with this. They've been... F- the WrestleMania entrances, especially in the last few years, have gotten a lot more uh, over, well, not o- over the top in terms of the what they're going to add to it and stuff like that. I think, I mean, I think they're Vincent Mann's favourite time of the year, mm. designing and, and producing those entrances. I think that's... Maybe Kevin Dunn's favourite time of the year. Kevin Dunn's as well, but I think the whole crew, because they put so much work into them. I mean, you see little clips beforehand, like the one where uh, Triple H is testing the Terminator entrance and Vince McMahon's giving him specific details. That's Vince McMahon as the showman. That's Vince McMahon as the Broadway impresario. Mm-hmm. That's Vince McMahon the sports entertainer in well, element. A... And I think, a... I think and to be honest, very often that's the main reason I watch WrestleMania. It's yeah. the entrances. I want to see something special because you can see great matches on a Ring of Honor DVD, on a PWG DVD, there's a there's dozens of five star matches that I can watch on the WWE Network. I don't know. There will very often be completely unique, and they'll probably never have Rusev enter on a tank again. So that's always going to be there, and that's something I can look forward to. I mean, the Undertaker's entrances are um, as anticipated, if not more, than the matches himself mm. to see what elaborate pyrotechnic. Phantom of the Opera style um, stage work they do because you can put the, you can put the WWE um, entrances and productions against any of the best shows on Broadway and the West End and I think they they hold their own if not beat them hands down very often. Yeah, there's a great quote that sums up I think Vince's attitude to uh, WrestleMania entrances uh, when Freddie Prince Jr. was recently interviewed on. Uh, talk is Jericho, not not to plug other wrestling podcasts. Uh, you know, make. I, your I think they're doing all right. <laughs> no, they're, they're all right. They're all right. They don't need help. Um, but um, Vince, he was talking about when Vince was like running, uh, was, like, using words like razzle dazzle when he was like running promo when Vince was running promo class, and um, Vince just came out at one point. It's like uh, you, you can't use razzle. Freddie was like, you can't use razzle dazzle. Wrestling's not. You think like wrestling's like vaudeville, and then Vince is like, that's right, it's vaudeville, damn it, and it's like. <laughs> That that sums up why he likes doing those WrestleMania entrances so much and why they're so showmanistic. Mm. If that's Is that a word? word? <laughs> if that's a word. I, I've been involved. showmanship, I would say. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've been involved there. I, I've, I've, I've swung for the fences. Well, yeah. I mean, we all have our mistakes. So I listened to an old one recently when I was listening back. And uh, you pronounce it Viginet. It's uh, actually Vignettes. It's- the yeah. G is silent. It's a French word. You, you, you know, it's. But if you read a word and you never actually hear it, then you know. I I used to say. Um, I used to think a Segway was just the item, and that was spelt S E G W A Y. And I thought that the other version was to segue into something else, S E G U E. So we we all have our blind spots. No yeah. one pronounces it hyperbole the first time. No yeah. one pronounces that. 
And yet everyone's a dick to a person if they say it wrong. <laughs> and I have been that dick. <laughs> uh, but it's the whole vaudeville nature. That's why Vince loves well, uh, doing it. To talk about vaudeville nature... Uh, that brings me to one of my uh, next ones, which is specific camera work in entrances, which we are seeing a lot of in NXT, which I find interesting. It seems nearly any wrestler of um, regard has very specific camera movements for their entrances. With Finn Balor, it will start on a low angle and run all the way up until you actually see him through the smoke and mist. But to, to get to your uh, Vaud villain, uh, what was it? Was it? <laughs> What was the word you said? Sorry, was uh, it vaudeville? Vaudeville, yeah, I said yeah, vaudeville. The, the vaudevillains, yeah, like they have that great focused camera work that, that actually incorporates the Tron into their entrances mm. and the spotlights and them holding a pose, a tableau before making their entrance. It's it's part of the whole spectacle and the show, and that's not just a WWE thing. If you look at, um, there's a great video of uh, progress where they just showed the four entrances or the six entrances of guys in a main event match. And there was one wrestler in particular that the entire crowd turned their back to when he makes his entrance, like the implication that they don't like him so much they're not even going to acknowledge him. So he, so he enters to a, a series of backs, you know? Which is, you know, my mate Luke's dream come true. They said. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, do you like that? The specific camera work. I uh, I uh, do. I remember uh, watching the NXT London, not the London show, but like the NXT episode that followed it, where they yeah, the one they filmed before, before the event. I remember for the four way entrances, the four way tag team match, hype bros, vaude villains. American Alpha, Blake and Murphy. Is that another one where it's one first name and one surname? I don't know. Um, they each had like specific camera movements as well. Like I said, the board villains with the, the with the focus and the black and white and everything. Um, the um, Blake and Murphy with their dubstep entrance music had like zoom in and out, zoom in and out, like Kevin Dunn with his most frustratingly annoying camera work. But it's actually to do with the characters, and I guess they're dubstep background i don't know what it's meant to it's part of the whole uh i think it's like assuming most people don't like this whole rave maybe yeah. thing. But they don't do it, they, i mean they don't dress as ravers they don't behave like ravers no they they, they, they their entrance is a great example of uh their entrance building onto their characters themselves because they do that classic tag, hit, cheating heel tag team with a female valet mm. um, roll quite well but their entrance with, especially with the way they sort of like move the angles it's the perfect uh, cocktail mm. of amplifying a desired reaction mm. I think also, yeah, and, and I think crowds love that interactive element, and I think crowds want to be part of the show, and, and like I said, the entrances are a great example of that. Um, when Kurt Angle would come out and the crowd would go, you suck, or when Rob Van Dam used to come out to in ECW, they always do that, respect, 
Walk! I think that the WWE don't do that enough, I think. I remember one time Shawn Michaels came out in Japan and the Japanese just started clapping along to the rhythm of the Sexy Boy theme tune. I wish there were more wrestlers that would have that, more superstars that would have something that would get the crowd to, you know, I guess you have Daniel Bryan with the yes chants, but it's not, like, synced in with the with the theme tune. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, they just follow, like, the old, just conventional or, one, uh, one, one beat, yeah. Yeah, or CM Punk when he would enter in Ring of Honor to uh, Miseria Canabra or something like that by AFI. Now, there's me probably mispronouncing something. Uh, it had that very specific beat of do, 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 do. So, because they had these hard boards against the, um, the the steel barricades, the front row people would hammer against there as a, as a sign of CM Punk, as, a, as another means of just emphasising how important he was. And they would always, Ring of Honor always great with the lighting. They would, they, would, they would very often do the blackouts and spotlights and try and give someone something a bit special. Uh, Jimmy Rave, when he was in the embassy, uh, you probably don't know it. These are all just random names and words to you coming no, up. No, no, I've heard of uh, Jimmy Rave. The when embassy. Jimmy Rave came out in, when he was in the embassy, but instead of him getting streamers, which they would give in Japan, obviously, which is another great touch, um... They would throw toilet roll at him. But they would deliberately, like, they would TP him, basically. So with that, you make sure that you have a certain amount of toilet roll unrolled. So it looks like a streamer in the immediate moment, but then you realise that it's toilet rolls, not streamers themselves. But again, streamers, not really part of the entrance, but part of the introduction. Again, just a great way of showing someone's importance. I wish that that WWE would incorporate that at a, a WrestleMania, maybe, if nothing else. That would be pretty awesome. But I don't know how you can control that. I think, that. You can I think, it's, tell... I think it'd be hard to control because there would just be some fans that would throw at the wrong moments. If they could yeah. if they could drill a crowd and say, you are only thrown at this point. If you throw it at any other point, we will kick you out of the building or something like that. I would love that maybe for a Shinsuke Nakamura uh, WrestleMania entrance in the future. Because that's another thing that they've done a lot of now. It's, I don't know how much we're going to count this as entrances. But uh, they enter, but they're not actually announced for the world title matches because they give them the boxing-style introductions, which is another means of, again, emphasizing the significance of an event if the match is going to be given the um, introductions in ring, which, again, forces the wrestler to exude a different kind of... Do they, do they even acknowledge the crowd? In Japan, very often, they, they won't acknowledge the crowd in the slightest... Mm. Do you think that's to like add legitimacy to those events? I think so. To mirror sports. Yeah, I think so. Because I mean, in ECW, they always did it like that for the most part. They always got they entered and then they were introduced. Uh, I noticed that they do that on NXT with all the title matches. I think, or at least the singles title matches. I don't know if they do it with the tag team title matches. And they started giving them a specific spotlights. So they have to stand. To me, slightly awkwardly in the middle of the ring, facing forward. But the camera zooms in more. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I appreciate the idea, and maybe it does work for the majority. For me, that feels slightly awkward, slightly too theatrical. Um, but at least you know, at least they're trying something different. You know, the whole point of NXT is to experiment with these things. Um, and and just, just I you know because I don't really watch wrestling that much uh, when it's on TV I don't really watch Raw I just watch highlights and what have you so I haven't seen his entrance in a while so does Tyler Breeze still get the um, you see his boots first and then it pans up 
Yes. Okay. Yes. So he's all right. uh, when he when you get when he gets a televised entrance, yeah. he does. Yeah, I was going to say it must be getting to the point where he's already in the ring, which uh, is you know always let, the worst. Yeah, song. yeah, yeah. yeah. Let, let's let's not pull it that. Yeah, threat. I know you are a Tyler Breeze fan, so you can't be ecstatic about what's happening lately. Um, no. But also, like I think when people talk about wrestling's influence on boxing and what have you, I think very often it's the elaborate entrances that people talk about. You know, famously Prince Nazim Hamed would you would do really elaborate entrances. Very often they would take a very long time. I remember him taking like ten minutes to come out for a fight against a guy called Kevin Kelly, not the WWE's former uh, reporter, now Ring of Honor commentator Kevin Kelly. That would be a bit of a mismatch. <laughs> And he would just and and he use it to psych his opponent out. Uh, the UFC, what's interesting is they used to have an entrance ramp, and I remember seeing a fight from two thousand three, two thousand and two between Carlos Newton and Matt Hughes, which is a brilliant fight for the welterweight title. It was the first time Matt Hughes won the welterweight title, and Carlos Newton came out to Beyonce's oh no to Destiny's Child Bootylicious with with an Afro wig sunglasses and a supermodel who was wearing his welterweight championship belt so he embraced the whole wrestling pageantry of it but now they i mean they really toned it down very soon after and they they don't even really they don't get an entrance ramp or anything so i think no i think they just come through like a yeah yeah corridor yeah which I feel, I don't know if that's wasting, you know, the UFC is doing more than enough money to not have to worry about the need for elaborate entrances or what have you. But I always feel like maybe the fact that they don't do that is them trying to emphasize the lack of influence of the WWE, that they're going back to sort of old school boxing, just coming through a corridor and making their way out. I mean, they still do no, I, fans I have to stick I think it's... and getting high fives and, and the like. Yeah. I think it's to differentiate themselves from both mm. boxing, which has started to, well, has followed that, which is rich in pageantry, mm. and WWE, which is again sports entertainment. So UFC is same. Like this, is, this is a gladiatorial battle, or something. Yeah, like. this this is a sport. This is a fight. And with, yeah. you know, no nonsense. Although some of them still like to incorporate a bit of nonsense or a bit of psychology or, or you know, mm. intimidation into their opponents or what. But that's that's more ritual the gamesmanship. There. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at if you look at old Pride events, my God, some of the over the top entrances they would do. If you just look up go after this, go on YouTube and look up Jason Mayhem Miller uh, entrances. One of which involves him dancing with a dozen Japanese schoolgirls. To a choreographed dance routine, <laughs> him wearing a sparkly grey ja- uh, like a silver jacket. <laughs> okay. he's, a, he's a character. Is Mayhem Miller? Um, Dana White never really liked him. I wonder why. <laughs> so yeah, I just think uh, just quickly to go back because I'm I'm reaching the end of my notes. Um, uh, Gabe Sapolsky. I just want to get this across who was running Ring of Honor at the time, and the whole thing about Ring of Honor is being able to wrestle. They kind of wanted to say this isn't sports entertainment, so I guess that would suggest uh, less elaborate entrances. Although one thing that always happened in those indie years, I don't know if they do anymore, was wrestlers would enter to theme songs that would have like a, a big build-up, and they liked being given a big build-up before making their big entrance. I remember one was a, a guy called Scoot Andrews, who called himself the Black Nature Boy. So he came out, like Charlotte does now, sort of a remix of the... Um, the Break Zarathustra or whatever it's called, um, the 2001 uh, music, and the entrance theme took about a minute to build up to where he was to come out. Then he comes out, and the match he has, he loses in like two and a half minutes. So I was like, 
God, you really should have just run out and got yourself a bit more time in the ring. You might have got a few more moves in before you got beaten like a jobber. Um, uh, I think I was a bit of a, like, very often indies can be very self-indulgent, and I think some of those entrances became quite self-indulgent as well. I remember I always, I think everyone who ever thought of being a wrestler has thought what entrance music would they like to have, and I remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I want, yeah. for a while I wanted to come out to Outcast's Gasoline Dreams. Um, but, yeah, any kind of event. Oh, yeah. The one I always thought if I would do a whole pomp and circumstance would be Arcade Fire's Wake Up, because that has this big and build up, build up, build up, build up until like this chorus go out, chorus of singers come out going, ah. So I just envisioned myself just coming out like I am king shit at that moment, <laughs> like like Jesus himself. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, that was me. So, uh, just quickly, what what would have been uh, your entrance themes? Do you know any? Uh, yeah, well, uh, I have. If I was ever going to be like a non, I have a non mystical one and a mystical one. Ooh, if I was going to be a mystical character, uh, my non mystical one is King of the Stereo by Saliva, because it's got a little bit of build up, but not much build up. But it mm. kicks into like a sort of amp for me rocky sort of style tune um but it's got a and it's got a nice bit of build up just before the chorus as well uh so it flo- it flows really well and i think it would make a great face entrance theme uh the mystical one uh rain wizard by blackstone cherry okay see because that's gonna... got a lot of build that's, and that's something actually if you go onto our facebook page we need we want to encourage people to interact with us a bit more because i know we're a bit uh reclusive let's put it that way we're both a bit guilty of that yes so we want to we want to really bring people in so if you want to post on our facebook page which is facebook.com slash let me tell you pod i think is the right name for it um then by all means let us know what your entrance theme would be if you were Shall we put YouTube links to our what we've what we've just um laid yeah out? yeah we can so do that as well yeah I think we should definitely do that. Absolutely, yeah. Gabe Sapolsky, just quickly, he didn't see, he didn't even see any of CM Punk wrestle. He wanted to hire him after seeing him enter because he just again exuded that charisma. He didn't do much of anything. He didn't see how good he was in the ring. Just as soon as he saw him enter, he thought, "I want him in Ring of Honor." And the whole point of Ring of Honor is having three star, four star, five star matches as a, at a minimum. Well, three star at a minimum. It was five. Star. Sorry, minimum, you're asking for trouble. Imagine that, and from there, CM Punk goes to Ring of Honor, and from there, he goes to WWE, and from there, he goes to UFC. <laughs> Hopefully not to get his ass kicked, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, time. Now, watching him make a UFC entrance would be interesting. That, yes, that's true, actually. Well, I think because he wants to be seen as something beyond being a wrestler, I think he will just be a standard walkout's the octagon. It'll be interesting to see him, because he's always said, when I set foot in that octagon for the first time, That'll be interesting to watch it in his face. I think he, he knows how to convey emotion. I always thought it was very interesting that when he made his big money in the bank entrance for his big match, he seemed to sort of deliberately underplay it a bit. That He got this massive reaction and then he just slightly sauntered out and, and stopped and looked out in the crowd and then entered. And then finally when he got up onto the second rope, he was just like, what's my fucking name? And then he was trying to get the crowd on his side. Oh, I think he was just going for the slow build kind of. Oh thing. yeah, 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 absolutely. He because uh, he knows how to milk a crowd. Uh, absolutely. I think one of my favorite moments of someone just entering is WrestleMania one. I loved how they filmed them before they were coming out. You know, you'd see them backstage before they made their entrance. 
And I just loved when Roddy Piper came out with all the um, bagpipes and the ceremony. And he just was looking down on the ground and just chuckling to himself. And that's not even a moment that not everyone, not everyone's going to be able to see that. But he just, uh, yeah, he just exuded so much cockiness in that moment. So much charisma. There's a reason he went on to become a bit of a movie star and probably the biggest star of that era outside of Hulk Hogan. Who was the other end of the scale, so over the top and so playing to the person in the back row of the audience with the pointed finger. And, and Piper could do that too. But Piper had a subtlety to him that I always love. I always love that when there's little touches. And if you can have a little touch in the entrance that you can see, again, really for the TV audience, that's always um, that's always something I've been a fan of. Oh, yeah, it's the subtle details. Um, and I was just like, it's like the, the, the camera angle. It's the little... It's the... And entrances are some of its parts. Yeah. Why I think we've comprehensively covered fa- various aspects of the entrance. So my last question for you before we go to Mount Rushmore. Have um, you become no. a fan of someone just from their entrance? Like, you, before you'd even seen a match, had you become a fan of them through their entrance? All right, I'll tell you what. I One character I have not visited in terms of actually watching their matches yet. But... I actually quite like that entrance theme because uh, it's just a good, uh, it's like a, a good upbeat entrance theme. Um, it's the Honky Tonk Man. Oh, okay. Uh, so I would say the Honky Tonk Man is my go-to there because I love, I love the theme. Uh, I've seen obviously like have the whole beautiful audience thing. I've seen like little clips of him and clip shows. Mm. I've never seen a whole Honky Tonk match. You, you don't need. To but I think I, I, I think, <laughs> yeah. But I love the I love the character of the Honky Tonk Man. I've seen I've seen the Honky Tonk Man like have clips of like him have long lines in promos. I've seen his I've heard his theme. Never seen him compete, but I just love the idea of the Honky Tonk Man. Mm. For me, that most recently happened with a guy. I'm not even sure if you've heard of him. Ring of Honor wrestler called Dalton Castle, and his whole gimmick is basically the strutting peacock. And if you think Ric Flair's robes were something to behold, wait until you see him go full peacock with his robe as he enters the ring. And he just literally opens it up like wings and they have like gold lining. And it's, oh, it's phenomenal. I had seen him for all of five minutes and I was just like, this is, this is the guy. Because it's a, it's a 21st century take on the gay character because he has these shirtless boys who do his bidding he calls them my boys and he's speaking as he's coming out to the ramp it's so good the the boys act as stairs for him as he enters the ring and then they act as like a sofa as a sofa for he like lies across one of them and rests his arm on another one and it's so so good it's just the 21st century version of the gay character who just completely owns it and as a result the entire crowd adores him <laughs> it's so <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's that's the most recent one of like, I don't know if he could get it in the WWE. I don't know if they would allow a character like that. But I think he shows so much charisma that you could probably tweak him and because he had got a gimmick in um in Chikara of this guy called Ashley Remington. It was this very sincere man. Very, I think he's meant to be a rich kid because he has like a he, he comes out in a I don't know if it's a navy hat or just like the you know sort of a, a ferret. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And he's got like an ascot or a, or a cravat, and he gives and he and, and he's super super sincerely nice to everyone. 
Like, it's not, it's not like he's pretending to be nice and then he's a heel behind their back. He is legitimately nice and friendly and shakes everyone's hand. And at the end of a match, he gives his opponent a commemorative gift basket. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's all the points I had to make before we got to Mount Rushmore. Is there anything else you want to add, Simon? Well, the only other point I was question I was going to ask is, do you think if they continue to go down the path of like an inherent chase for more legitimacy, which some would argue the WWE may be doing now. Mm-hmm. Do you think entrances will be peeled more and more back and stripped back to their bare bones? Or No, because they are, I think they are Vince McMahon's baby. I think Vince loves the entrances. At the very least, WrestleMania. They may not be able to top Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker or Randy Savage versus Ricky Steamboat or Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. They might not be able to top those sort of matches. But I think they probably think we can give John Cena an even more amazing entrance this time than the last time. Yeah, or The Undertaker, or whoever. That, well, Bray Wyatt's probably the guy they're going to do the big productions for in the in the future. Mm. Also, but yeah, I, I look forward to that. I look forward to just the elaborate camera movements. I mean, he's, very quick. Yeah, I Bray's where... never had a normal WrestleMania entrance. Who's so? thinking about it? Bray, he's never had a normal no, one. No, but he's only had two so far in his... 0-2 record in Wrestlemania they're giving him the reverse streak which is a shame since they seem to think he's going to be their new Undertaker or at least they like to think that but yeah just Fans love that sort of stuff I, I like from last Wrestlemania I think I loved the um, 360 degree camera move around Roman Reigns in the ring I thought that was a fantastic visual as the as the pyro was going off around oh yeah yeah, yeah. the WWE you can crap on them for a lot of things but they do entrances well still to this day which is one of the main reasons we've spent a large portion of our uh, podcast talking about the WWE. Um, no, that's quite simply, I'm with you. No one does do it better. Yeah. I recently watched the uh, the pre-match builds slash entrances to the Ho- Hollywood Hulk Hogan versus Sting match. Mm. <gasps> oh, yeah. that The Starcade one you're talking about. Yeah, and... Have you seen the? Is that the one where he enters and they do that mixed screen? So you see him enter, but you're also seeing Hulk Hogan. sort of show thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they did it yeah. well. They did what they could, but they didn't really have they the budget could, necessarily or, or the vision. I don't, I don't know if it was the, the crowd or something. Something just didn't. It, for a match was meant to be so big, it just didn't feel as big. I, I don't know why. I don't know hindsight and knowing that it wasn't necessarily going to change anything, but in that moment, it thought like it, you know, if it, the logical point would be that that was the culmination of a particular story. But Sting had dropped the belt four months later and, you know, the match itself had been a bit of a disaster because Hogan had arguably used his politics to make Sting look like an idiot. Mm. Um, but in that entrance, there's a brilliant moment in that where, where whilst Sting's entering, and I love the music they give him, that sort of um, bombastic orchestral uh, entrance. I prefer that much more than the one that they gave him when he came to the WWE. Um there's him entering, but there's also it's it's mixed. It's like a I don't know what the term is. I should know, but like, the, so you're seeing both Sting entering, but you're also seeing contrasted against him at the same time. Hulk Hogan in the ring waiting for him to enter. Mm. I always thought that was a really cool visual they did. Um, but yeah, you know what I mean, like sort of picture on top of picture, not yes. picture in picture. Yes. Yeah, no, 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 not like not like split screen or anything like that. They were. <sighs> we are on to what has been for me. I don't know if it's been the same for you, Simon. The toughest Mount Rushmore that I've ever had to do, to the point that we agreed to provide two Mount Rushmores, and so that means there's going to be eight, 
And it's still been the toughest I've ever done because what we're going to do is we're going to do both a general entrance that they would do when they enter and then a show-specific entrance that you would only get at one particular show. So, you know, like like Bray Wyatt going with the Scarecrows at last year's WrestleMania. Or for example. For example. Maybe that's been one of our choices. We'll have to find out. Simon, first of all, do you have your Mount Rushmore? Which one are we doing first? Let, let's establish this first. Let's, we, let's go for gen- general first. Yeah, yeah. Let's do general. And then, much like improv game, we'll go more specific. <laughs> Super. Right. So, first pick, despite the predominant WWE talk this evening, is a WCW pick. Mm-hmm. Goldberg. Very good starting move there. Uh, just the complete package of entrance. Pyro, presence, build from the com- the commentators do their bit. Breathing out uh, the smoke. Yeah, they're breathing out the smoke, the whole security guards. Well, just that's, the... that's one question. Did that make sense that this really tough, hard bastard needed seven portly local security guards to protect him whilst he made his way to the ring? I don't think they're for his protection. I think for, yeah, for everyone else. They're yeah. to stop there's a stop people who aren't legit athletes getting to Goldberg so he doesn't murder them. That's that's, that's the image it was conveying. That's not a bad that's not a bad idea, yeah. And of course it led to one of the funniest spoofs ever with uh, the Chris Jericho. Yeah, um, getting lost spinal tap style. Yeah. Um I think I'm gonna be bold enough and say this one will be a joint one. Uh so Undertaker, just throwing it out there. Okay. Just the man, even when he does his bare bones entrance, still so enthralling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, there's just no other words for it. I'm gonna go for. Oh, I'm gonna go for. Okay. I want a clarification point on this one. I want to pick Kane, but I want to pick old school proper original mask cane. That's fine, yep, yep. Uh, I'm happy to have that incorporated. Yeah, I want to make it clear, it's just that incorporation of cane. When he still had that air of mystery to him, that sort of Jason horrible villain. Kane. Yeah. Jacked, psychopath, full mask, one arm showing thing. Mm, yes. Mm. That cane. Because it's similar to the Undertaker, but n- very different. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was that, you know, they were related, but they had their differences. You know, yeah. we, we've, we've done a whole episode about Kane, which is one of our better episodes. Undertaker's was like a slow build one. Yeah. Kane was impact. Well, the Undertaker's was cold and chilling, whereas the whereas Kane was hellfire and brimstone. Undertaker was death. Kane was damnation. And final pick. There's two in my head right now. Um, I am going to say Stone Cold Steve Austin. Okay. Because it's simplicity, but it bloody works. And you can't argue with... The reaction shows it all. Yeah. It's like so simple, but so, so, so effective. Yeah, absolutely. So just to reiterate, what are the four that you've gone for there, Simon? Both the Brothers of Destruction, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and another bold goateed man in Goldberg. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to also, I've gone like you, three WWE, one non-WWE. Okay. Uh, I'll go with the non-WWE one to begin with. I am going with The Sandman. When he would make his ECW entrance to Metallica's Enter Sandman. Um, The classic one was him with the cigarettes and drinking a beer. And this was ahead of uh, Austin's time. There was a great summarizing of of the difference between Tommy Dreamer and the Sandman. Tommy Dreamer is the wrestling fan that's like, 
oh, I think I can do that. Yeah, this has been my lifelong dream. I can do this. Whereas Sandman's the fan that gets tanked and just goes, I can do that. It's a piece <laughs> of piss. You know? <laughs> and so, and that was the thing with the Sandman. He, he, you know, he dressed with a shirt and very often Zuba's trousers. He was one of the people. He really was one of the people. He was smoking an unfiltered cigarette as well, which was always a sign of him. So he wasn't really, he wasn't the peak of physical fitness. That was not his concern. He was just coming out for a fight and he was a man of the people in a very different way to Dusty Rhodes. He was yeah. a fan of the, the ECW people and, and, and with the Singapore cane as well and the entrance music and the crowd singing along to it him pouring the beer into a, a fa- fan's mouths from above. Uh, I mean, put it this way, when I go back and watch clips from ECW's One Night Stand 2005, I'm not watching the match of the Sandman and Tommy Dreamer against the Dudley Boys. I'm watching the Sandman's entrance. And I love that moment where Tommy Dreamer's standing there, getting ready to enter, and they, they were able to get into Sandman just for the live show on the DVD release and that, so I have to go on YouTube to find the original ones. You won't find it on, on um, uh, WWE Network with the, the Metallica. And Tommy Dreamer himself is marking out in that moment. <laughs> He's just got the biggest grin on his face. And the, and the Dudley boys are in the ring just waiting for him, and he's there in the crowd. And I remember this one madman's grabbing the Sandman's cane and smacking himself in the head with it, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's my first one, the Sandman. Okay. Uh, you've gone for Austin. I'm going to go for McMahon. Vince Ooh. McMahon's entrance with the struts. The most commonly imitated entrance move, probably of them all, and he would put. Sometimes he put some proper stank into those struts as he comes down the ring, and it just exudes a very alpha male power. I mean, it's the sort of entrance you think Donald Trump would make if he's actually going to have to give a speech from the Oval Office, if that day <sighs> ever occurs, with Vince McMahon as his vice president. <laughs> oh. He's, oh god! If he has to name a vice, oh, uh, uh, I don't know who's gonna. Wow, who's gonna take that? I even considered that until now. If he wins and has to name a vice president, who the hell is that gonna be? Or maybe just have him be his secretary of defence. I think it'd be him. I think it'd be him. Oh, they are chums. Um, no, no, no! I don't mean. I don't think he'll pick Vince. I think Donald Trump will pick Donald Trump. Oh, to be the vice president. Yes. He'll, ha- he'll have himself. He's already uh, said. Uh, well, what, if I didn't know something, who would I ask for advice? Me. Uh-huh. Anyway, oh, I am this might have dated this more than any other podcast, or maybe it'll be just as relevant for the next eight years. We don't know. We'll save that. Hope to God. Hope to God not. <laughs> um, my third choice for entrance is going to be HBK Shawn Michaels. There was the other end of the spectrum. You know, he was very dancing and moving along but it was also always a bit of humor underneath it i think very often Shawn michaels if he if something screwed up he would he would work with it i remember when he made his wrestlemania 19 entrance he was supposed to shoot these sort of cannons off with confetti or something and half of them didn't work so he like by the time he's on the third one he's looking to the camera going let's hope it works and it, you know sometimes it and Shawn michaels just had that you know, come on, everybody, let's get moving. And obviously for WrestleMania 12, he had the famous zipline entrance and the like. Uh, WrestleMania 25, when he descended from the heavens. But that's not even... Just Shawn Michaels coming out for Raw, he can make it a show. And, you know, with his assless chaps. 
Uh, as Damien Sandow once pointed out to those that were mocking Shawn Michaels, all chaps are assless. That's what makes them chaps. But, uh, yeah, Shawn Michaels' HBK entrances. And, and he had a great entrance with the Rockers and that high energy. With, but HBK entrance um, changed it up. And he kept the same theme tune for 25 years, basically, almost. Or, or 20 years, I think, now? 20 years? Yeah, coming up on 25 years. When he comes out, he still comes out to that. And my final one... And we aren't going to have to argue. It is the Undertaker, because from WrestleMania, you, you would remember his entrance at the first Survivor Series debut that he made in 1990, and all he had was just a walk. But I think what it is is that the Undertaker, something that's made him so successful, is he has amazing grace from and his size, amazing balance. That's why he's able to walk along the top rope. And that, and he conveys that with his entrance. Like when they, what's amazing when they do that entrance is when very often they'll have like the smoke underneath him up to like knee level, and because of the way that he can move, he makes it look like he's gliding to the ring almost. So you don't necessarily need all the WrestleMania bells and whistles. And personally, for me, I've gone for four completely different guys for my specific entrances. I haven't gone for an Undertaker, but I'll quickly say, you know, like his um. Like his WrestleMania 29 entrance with the zombies and that wonderful sort of silhouette imagery. I've said it, The Undertaker is the WWE's greatest artistic achievement. Oh, yeah. At least half of that probably is down to the entrance work that they've done with him over the years. Okay. So those were my four general ones The Sandman, Shawn Michaels, Vince McMahon, and The Undertaker. So The Undertaker is our definitive Mount Pick. Rushmore entrance, just generally. Now we go into the specifics. So do you okay. want to go first? Uh, yeah, I do, because I yep. want to uh, do a seamless segment there. You've oh. mentioned Undertaker's uh, WrestleMania 29 entrance. Did you just Boom. segue into something else there, Simon? <laughs> I segued <laughs> quite, quite subtly into this. Yes, pick number one is that very entrance, the whole clawing of the yeah. damned yeah, yeah. At, his, at his feet as he's just rising above the eyeing of the underworld bow before me that kind of because the whole if you obviously because the whole cm punk mocking the dead as well i don't know if they threw the whole dead thing the whole damned thing into it as well because was punk damned for mocking Mm. a dead man or not Mm. i don't know if they went to that kind of depth but I think they probably have that idea months in advance, but yeah. you know it's always fitting with the Undertaker because his whole thing is death. Exactly, if anything, it's in slightly bad taste given that it was the match just after Paul Bear. Well, the whole, well, the whole, <laughs> the whole, the whole Undertaker character's in bad taste in those sort of situations. Well, yeah, if you go in that far, with <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, pick number two, WrestleMania Thirty, mm. the entrance of one Triple H. Triple H. Triple H. <laughs> I'm enunciating. Uh, is that the one where they give him two two stages? And is it the Spartan one, or is it the one with um? It's not Sasha it's, Banks, Charlotte. It's, the, it's, it's yeah. the NXT girls and with the NXT girls. Um, That's the reason Conan, for this. Yeah, that Conan inspired entrance. Yeah. Ah, uh, not to sound too Max Landis here, but the latter state, the the, the, the this current era of Triple H's character does reek very much of. As good as I want my chosen guy to be, I'll never trust him quite as much as me to do it. I'll do it myself. Like a dad at a science fair. <laughs> that, 
that's very much what Triple H is at the moment, if you really, really think about it. You know he's made the best volcano ever oh, yeah. for his the, kids. The, the sun maybe held some scissors at some point. <laughs> that's about it, really. So there's there's picks one and two. Um, pick ah oh, pick number three is there's so there are so many like little individual specific ones I really really like, but what I like and I like this one for the way it's sort of I don't know if they meant it as a transition or not. I view it a little bit as a transition. I could I could be wrong. Um. But I'm going to go for, I believe it's WrestleMania. Oh, God. My memory's failing me a little bit now. It's the John Cena WrestleMania entrance where he comes as the Chicago gangster. That would be WrestleMania 23. Or 22. It's 22 because 23 22. is in Detroit. Twenty. Oh, yeah. 23 comes out in the car. 22 comes out in the Chicago 23 gangster uses the a, Mustang against Michael. With the yes. CM Punk as one of his extras. Yes, yes. Uh, the reason I, you know, I just think it's the last, it's the last final hurrah of John Cena the gangster before John Cena the colourful, Christian stuff, like colourful, you know, PG stuff. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know if they meant it as like, it, here is the bridging point, but when you look at it, it's a very good bridging point, it's, it's, and it's a great homage to Chicago itself. Yeah, it's venue thematic as well, which uh, Cena would do occasionally, like. Um... I think the marching band that he came out to at WrestleMania 24 was specific to that area. Um, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And um, one of a uh, the, and the final pick, the final final pick I will go for is. Oh, I really want to say some comedy ones, but that's a waste of a pick. But I just want to point out how bad an entrance can be as well. Um, maybe there'll be an... All- I'll just want to highlight a couple of also rants after I've made this pick. So just let me hold on to those. That's fine. Uh, but I'm going to go for... I'm going to go for... It's a... RVD's entrance. John Cena RVD. ECW One Night Stand. RVD more than John Cena. The passion, the passion. He, he, you shouldn't really foretell what's going to happen, mm. but that, that, the passion, the heat, the moment. John Cena is a crowd reaction to John Cena because his entrance was just very much on here. Let's just get on. But with that, that was that was that was good character moment. He, he reprised that with his Chicago match against CM Punk. Mm. That defiant champ. I'm here, I'm serious. If he wants to beat me, he's going to have to come through. And I will stand up for what I am against all the yeah. boos and the heckles. I am I, I, champ. You have I to am con- I am constant. I am Cena. Yeah. I am Legion. Yeah. But no, RVD was just so in the moment. And he just, it was just such a beautiful homecoming. Mm. Not that Punks wasn't, but I just really, really liked that moment. And it was the sort of thing you'd never expect to see at a WWE event, I suppose. It was as close as we ever yeah, came. Yeah, it's got that novelty factor. It was there. as close as we ever came to an interpromotional champ versus champ match, in a way, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's that's why I think it edges the whole punk entrance. Mm. Okay, now that's what's I do want to. I do want to quickly okay. highlight my also rants of how bad an entrance can be. Gobbledygooker, <laughs> all day long. Uh 
thought you were gonna if you were gonna talk about like screw ups, you could look at Ultimo Dragon at WrestleMania twenty, managing to slip on his own cape. That that was that was horrendous. Those those are like those are examples of just like what is happening. Mm. I remember um, WrestleMania. Not sorry, like reading Mick Foley's autobiography, like number seventeen, about uh, his his uh, run as a heel with Edge and everything. And he said that he had this really elaborate story with him and Terry Funk that was going to take place over weeks on end. And as Terry Funk was making his entrance for his first segment, he tripped over during his entrance. <laughs> and apparently that put Vince off the whole story from then on because he thought that Funk was just a doddering old man. Sort of put the brakes on it. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. So what were some of your other also rounds? Did you have any? Um, Yeah, there's there's... This is a specific one. Kurt Angle SummerSlam 2005. Mm. Oh, five or six. It's the one with the Hogan Michaels match. Mm. So I think it's. I can't. I can never remember which one's which. I think that's 05. That is 05 because 06 was with Orton. Yeah. Purely because the pyro guy misses his cue. <laughs> and this is Kurt Angle who has been bested by Eugene. Um, and as a result, Eugene is in possession of his uh, precious, precious gold medal. <laughs> Kurt Angle is in full-on psycho mode. I'm gonna he's going to kill he's you. He's driven, zeroed in, honed in on beating his target. Throws his hands up into the air, as he always does with such intensity and dead silence. Mm. Throws his hands down, starts walking, then the pyro hits. And he he goes from... State like he goes from character pissed off to pure pissed off, and uh, <laughs> I, I think some of the some of the moves he executed were. It's... Eugene was thinking, "Oh man, I'm going to get receipts I didn't even earn." Yeah, he's just there, <laughs> like, "Oh fuck." <laughs> I mean, you had Christy Hemming with him, but yeah. still, oh well, that helps. <laughs> and Christy was like, "No," and he meant, "No, I didn't mean that. <laughs> that was to myself." <laughs> Kurt Angle was also fascinating as, as, as of an entrance telling one story and the crowd telling the other when he first came out. Super sincere, you know, intensity, integrity, intelligence, and the crowd completely booing him, but him acting like they were cheering him. Uh, that was uh, Kurt Angle. We'll have to do a whole episode about Kurt Angle at some point. Hopefully oh. not an In Memoriam episode, but you never know with the guy. <laughs> um, okay, so what's interesting with yours is you went for three WrestleManias and one non-WrestleMania. One thing I wanted to challenge myself with this, I don't know why I felt the need to challenge myself further because this was already difficult, was to allow myself only one WrestleMania entrance in my Ooh. specific ones. When we get to that one last. First one I'm going to go for is... You were saying about a guy who's just entrance and having nothing else to them. Here was the one I was going to say. This is my first one, and this is a very specific one, a very personal one to me. I just love this entrance. And go back and watch it if you haven't. It's Psycho Sid entering at the 1996 Survivor Series. The one where he beat Shawn Michaels. And it was one of the first times where the heel was getting cheered by a crowd instead of the face. Um, it was a New York, so obviously more of a uh, down the smarky end of the spectrum. Mm. I mean, Shawn Michaels was still uh, getting cheered by many, but he was noticeably getting booed. He was the white meat baby face. Yes, yes, he was the pretty boy, and this was a place full of not very pretty men in the crowd. Um, and so what I loved about it was Sid exuded so much menace in his look, in his size, in his face, his square-jawed face and his bright blonde hair. 
But he's, uh, and he was dripping wet with like, you know, covered himself in water and what have you. And he had just that leather jacket, similar to the one that Austin has. And he had this thing where he would just fist bump people on the way to the entrance. And one of the things is it took place in Madison Square Garden. So Madison Square Garden at the time, they used that unique, very short entrance ramp that they didn't, you know, that, that was what always signified it was a Madison Square Garden show back in the day. But now they give them just the regular ramp. Uh, down the other down the other end to the to the left instead of it being actually you know center screen when you're watching the show and he's just fist bumping people and going who's the man who's the man who's the man and he just looks like a killer he has all of the he has all of the aura of him that Brock Lesnar has now unfortunately as soon as he starts wrestling that's when the aura sort of goes away. <laughs> if Sid was as good in the ring as he was just in his presence he would have been. Maybe the biggest star of his era, the true inheritor of the Hulk Hogan mantle. But unfortunately, he wasn't much of a wrestler, and he wasn't much in the brains department as he as he himself copped to famously at least once. But the fact, and I think, and you look at him, and he screwed up so many times, and he was such a nightmare. But they kept giving him shots after shot. You know, like he'd left the WWE twice by then in in sort of slightly bad terms. But he came back this third time, and they put the belt on him. They put him. They gave him the world title. But yeah, go back and watch that Survivor Series. And also the music was perfect for him. It wasn't necessarily that great of a song, but the, the Psycho-inspired strings attack strings and the drum beat. You know, Jim Johnston's amazing. If there's anyone that deserves a Hall of Fame induction that's not a wrestler, it's Jim Johnston. So that's my first one, Sid and 1996 Survivor Series. I'm going to Japan for my next one. The, okay. It's Shinsuke Nakamura. And his Wrestle Kingdom 8 entrance. It was tough to choose between all of his most recent ones. To let you know, Wrestle Kingdom 8 was when he was wrestling Hiroshi Tanahashi for the Intercontinental title. And he his entrance involved um, pole dancers in leather gear and a dance and a sort of a... I don't know if she was like a yoga, but a very, very flexible sort of um, flexible sort of uh, Cirque du Soleil woman dancing along with him before he makes his big entrance and he's got the Michael Jackson inspired jacket and he does this wonderful he's an amazing mime artist is, is Nakamura and he does this brilliant where he opens a door and then he makes his entrance and he does this whole flexing his arms and, and moving around and just and he's so much charisma I cannot wait we're, well we're going to have to wait at least until Wrestlemania 33 to see Nakamura make a Wrestlemania entrance. And I honestly think, and these are the smartest of the smarts, as much as people are excited to see Shinsuke Nakamura wrestle in the WWE, they want to see him enter at Wrestlemania. I don't doubt that for a second. That's what so many people want. That's what so many people are excited about. And New Japan have always been brilliant entrances. I would love to have given the great Muta uh, uh, a credit in some of these entrances. Kiji Muta, the great Muta, he's, they're phenomenal. Like I said, Pride and everything. They've always put on a pretty big spectacle themselves. Maybe not until recent years, not as camp, but now they've gone full-blown. Kushida coming out in a DeLorean with Rizuki Taguchi uh, playing Doc Brown in the ring <laughs> and all sorts of crazy crap. Kazuchika Okada entered once with a giant dinosaur next to him. <laughs> oh, the Japanese. Japan will always and forever be Japan. <laughs> oh, we love you. Next one I'm going to go for is Prince Devitt, not Finn Balor, Prince Devitt making his entrance at Progress Chapter 13 in full-on Joker costume. Oh. Green waistcoat, purple jacket, 
face painted poker card, uh, like a Joker playing card, in, you know, and and his entrance and the whole crowd just losing their mind because I think one of the things that slightly frustrates me about what they're doing with Finn Balor is that they've just gone with the whole demon persona and the idea of him as someone else. But what I loved about Prince Devitt with his like his carnage entrance or his Joker entrance, another one he did in progress, dressing up as Hannibal Lecter. He did one at Rev Pro dressed as... Um, uh, he did Venom once uh, twice. Yeah, as Bane. Um, so it's that cosplay thing, which is so big nowadays. They sort of did it with him dressing up as Jack the Ripper. I don't know, you know, not very PG, you know. Yay, let's yeah, to yeah, uh, yeah, apparently who never got brought to justice. Yeah. He did look a bit more Babadook than Jack the Ripper, That's according true. to the internet. Or, uh, yeah, or uh, Papa Lazarou. Is that what you mean? Not... Or, well, he does look pretty Babadookish as well, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so I hope that they don't just do the standard demon get up every time. I think that's just more they they only want to make so many action figures. Yeah. Uh, there's only so many lines they could run. Okay. Um, and I just love the the cosplay element to it, and just mm. the crowd losing their mind. And the Joker is such a you know this is an overused word nowadays, but he's such the the Heath Ledger Joker is such an iconic character. There'll be people dressed as him at Halloween for years to come. He's probably going to take over the crow as the guy that... The... He, yeah, I, I'd go with that. He is going to be the, this this generation's crow. I yeah. definitely agree with that. Now, I like what you've done by leaving your one WrestleMania entrance to the end. Mm-hmm. I, and I imagine all of our listeners are now on tenterhooks. <laughs> you, you, you had one WrestleMania pick. That, that was the challenge you set yourself. Yes. Now, what was that pick? This will probably surprise a lot of people. Because it's one that doesn't have, as far as I can recall, any pyro, any big production numbers. In fact, it was the opposite of what this guy usually does. It's the Ultimate Warrior's entrance at WrestleMania 7 when he takes on Randy Savage in the career match. And what do you always associate with the Ultimate Warrior when he enters, Simon? Running. Didn't do that. He walked slowly to the ring to emphasize just how important this match was, that one of them, in theory, was going to end the career of the other one. So the Ultimate Warrior was conserving every dose of energy, but also soaking in that moment and maybe as a means of throwing Randy Savage off of his game as well. But then he finally did the high energy when he got to the ring. He sort of ran against the ring apron, ran on the ring apron and... And, and all that but and he had this big jacket and he had a specific airbrushed uh design on his trunks i think of the wwf championship belt which he had lost because of randy savage and it said there are things more important than gold or something like that to emphasize that this was a match beyond the match that they were having in that moment so there we go a, 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 an entrance as a means of telling a story and surprising the audience so those are my four Sid entering at the 96 Survivor Series, Shinsuke Nakamura's entrance at Wrestle Kingdom 8, Prince Devitt's entrance at Progress Chapter 13, and the Ultimate Warrior's entrance at WrestleMania 7. Now, one of us is going to have to drop drop one. You went for Undertaker at 29. I wouldn't want to drop. Well, again, and another thing I wanted to do is I wanted to do four entirely different from the ones that I'd done with my general ones. Yeah, see, 
So that you means I could do Undertaker one. I couldn't do a Vince McMahon one and Austin. Yeah, uh, well, Sam, yeah. A, a, an HBK one or a Sam one. Because obviously I haven't gone for Shawn Michaels. I might have done him entering at WrestleMania 12 or WrestleMania 25. Oh, when he did Christ. The whole yeah, white hat yeah, and everything. Yeah. That nearly made my list. Mm-hmm. So uh, what were you for yeah, so, again? So it was Undertaker 29. Undertaker 29. It is Cena 22. Mm-hmm. It is... Trips thirty, mm-hmm. and it is one night stand. Rob Van Dam. Hmm. I can I be honest? Uh, like that Cena one's probably not the first one I think about, and also, uh, I always equate Cena with the long, long, fast run down the ramp with WrestleMania, and obviously yeah. he didn't get to do that with this one. Uh. uh Whereas I, I sort of does, always see, does... I always see that entering, you know, with the, with the camera following him behind, yeah. and and taking in the whole large stadium aspect of it. Mm. Um, but you all picked an entrance. And, and when I think was... John Cena, I don't think Chicago Gangster. I just don't. Not true, but it was more an homage to the to the location, and mm-hmm. I do think it did serve as a transition from Fo- Doctor of Fogonomics to the time is now okay and i would say whilst yours tells a story and conveys the significance of the match your wrestlemania entrance is unlike warrior's usual entrance so but that's know. that's why i'm going for a specific one mm. <clears throat> but my, well, well, I'm general going for... ultimate warrior i wouldn't probably even mention that one i'd probably talk as like the definitive version of that would be the wrestlemania 6 entrance yeah um, where again, Jesse Ventura sneaks yeah. in that line. Mm. You sh- ah, I think you've. Do you, would you have kept? If, say, say you didn't attach those caveat mm. STL that you didn't mm. attach. Would that be your same top four? Yes or no? Don't don't go into detail, but would it be? Um, I didn't have a long list or or a particular. I think it didn't become an immediate rule. I know I always wanted to put Sid in at Survivor Series because I really love that entrance, and I guess I wanted to champion it to people who maybe haven't watched it in a long time. Of an example of what I think is a great uh, in a very Working short space with the situation of time. You're in. Yeah, and just and just uh, Sid is so often a bit of a laughing stock, and I guess I wanted to say, hang about. There's a reason this guy stayed around at the top because there are yeah, a lot of that- bodies out there. You know, there were a lot of six foot and eight guys out there. Sid did have something special. Yeah. Okay, so you had Sid. Shinsuke Nakamura. Prince, Shinsuke. Prince Devitt and Ultimate Warrior. Mm. I think I've made my intentions clear of which one I want to... Attack's not the right word. But if I was to say you were to drop one... Well, also, if I would say we'd drop one, if you wanted to follow my rules of not wanting to keep it, you know, not wanting the general and the specific to match, then you could argue dropping The Undertaker at WrestleMania 29. Because we've already uh, given him the definitive entrance in the general area. That's true. It's true. The, the, the Joker one, I can't fault because I do, I, I really did love that, that one. And it's and also, something. I think, I think those entrances are why Balor is in the WWE because he was always a great wrestler. Yeah. But those entrances, when he started doing them, that was like, wait, there's more to him. This guy gets the, the pomp and circumstance, the pageantry aspect to it, to the point that I can see them putting him in the main event almost immediately when he comes to the WWE main roster. Like I can see them pushing him harder 
than they pushed AJ Styles so far. That and I think he's definitely a Triple H project. Yes, which would get him. That's two. See, I can't. I'll, I'll be honest. I've not seen the Wrestle Kingdom eight entrance. I haven't. So I can't really. But you attack. know what a Shinsuke Nakamura oh, yeah, yeah. is. Yeah, it's amazing. I haven't, seen, I haven't seen that specific one. So if I was to attack that one, I'd attack that one, but with the with ignorance. Whereas... I've shown that to a mate of mine, and he doesn't. Well, he watches wrestling. I haven't actually sent him a, mac, a match. I just sent him that entrance, and he loved that so much that he showed it to his brother, who's not into wrestling, and he loved that entrance. And I think that if anything's going to sway Vince McMahon, that you could get a. Japanese guy as a main event guy who maybe doesn't necessarily talk English that well or not. I don't know how well Nakamura speaks English. Uh, so Vince, far... You could probably show him a Wrestle Kingdom entrance or or, what, or yeah. the entrance that they will give him at NXT Dallas. And Vince McMahon think... will be like, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, I can get behind this guy. He's ahead of Hideo was. He's, he's better than Hideo was. I, I don't think, think we'll ever see Hideo Itami on the main roster at this point. It's going to be a long time. Yeah, that, that injury was the guy's thirty-five as well. Yeah, but then they just signed Aries. And, anyway, we're, we're all we're ahead of yeah, us. We are, we are going off. I because we have given him a definitive spot. Let, let's let's not be greedy. Okay. Um, I will I will seed my dead man entrance. Okay. Now, which one of you mine are you going to take up? Then are you going to take Sid at Well, I'm assuming you're not going to take Nakamura because you haven't seen it. No, I can't take Nakamura. I you watched the Sid entrance any time recently. No. Uh, I'll be honest, the only one I've seen out of your four oh. is the Bellor one. Oh. I'm going to pick that one. Okay. <laughs> but not because it's the only one of. Well, it's hard to it's hard to come back from that point. Mm. It is the only one I've seen, but I think you're right. I think that that one was one of the points mm. of. Wow, this is amazing. Yeah. And a lot of people who hadn't seen him saw it. And I think it was a sign that as wrestling fans, smart fans, the smarky culture, which is what progress is all about, mm. uh, well, they, they're they an organisation that embrace that culture more than many. It's a sign culturally that it's gone beyond just us wanting four-star, five-star matches. We want a show. Yeah. So, and that's, that's sports entertainment... And it's not even a WWE pick that we're going for our definitive one. Mm. That's sort of a sign of the influence. And also it, it speaks to a, a modern culture of cosplay and, and everything else like that. And the you know the iconic nature of the Joker. Um, yeah, it's... Because I think the Joker, Heath Ledger's Joker himself... It's such an amazing design, a Vivian Westwood-inspired work yeah. of art, you know? It transcended it, normal Batman fandom. I think we're going to wind things up on this one, though. This yes. has been a really good. This has been a good one. I think this is one that, um, yeah, this is such a key part of wrestling. Like I said, we barely spoke about music, and we could do a whole episode about that, and we will do a whole. We will. I was going to say it's not we. Yeah. We could. We are. We will do some. But we want to hear from you as well. Like us on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com/slash Let Me Tell You Podcast. That's the name of the site. And please, please let us know what you think, what, what are your favourite entrances, what will be on your Mount Rushmore, what you think is integral to an entrance that you don't think we necessarily talked about. And what do you think makes a bad entrance? What makes, yeah, what's the bad entrance? Because um, you get so many of them on the indie scenes, these guys that, you know, do 15,000 flipping McFlips, but they can barely look up at the crowd when they make their entrance, you know. 
they just sort of look down on the ground and they're just really shy and then they you know finally show their personality but if they'd have done it at the start people might have cared a bit more when the match starts we'll hopefully start up a twitter page we'll make sure we've got a stitcher uh, a presence on stitcher radio as well and acast and we will try to get on itunes but in the meantime our website is still soundcloud.com slash chess club rebels all one word so simon if people want to get in touch with you specifically how can they do that um they can find me at simon cross free on twitter so named because i am actually cube shaped <laughs> um they could follow I haven't I haven't usually put this plug in, but I'm going to put this plug in purely because it's about to get very lively and very much wrestling related. I'm, I'm sorry to date the episode once again, but, but I'm going to WrestleMania. So if you want to see what that looks like, uh, Simon C54 on Instagram. Oh, there you go. Do I follow uh, you on Instagram? I'll have to start following you on Instagram. There you are, see? I've got at least one follower yeah, out of it, so I'm happy, happy days. Yeah. Um, more, than, more than how many readers I've got from my book out of our co-hosts. <laughs> but we'll get to that plug when we come to it. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, that's going to be laden. <laughs> laden with bitterness. <laughs> and of course, you that's can also talk to me on my Facebook page as well. Now, um, normally this is a happy and cheery moment. But tell me, Lorcan, how can how can the fans learn more about your opinions? Well, they can learn more about it by reading the book. You could learn more about it as well, Simon. And it's actually, if you are going to WrestleMania, it's a perfect thing to read on the flight, possibly. If you get yourself an app on your smartphone for Kindle, or if you have a Kindle or an other ebook reader, there are others available, then go on Amazon and get yourself a copy of Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan. It is the finest work of autobiography since Little Goes a Long Way, My Own Story by Sid Little. It comes endorsed by actually reputable sources such as John Lister, who recently wrote a fantastic article about the effects of concussions in pro wrestling for FSM, Fighting Spirit Monthly. And he has described it as the definitive account of life as a wrestling fan in the 90s and noughties. So, you know, you, you've actually got a recommendation from someone with, you know, um, integrity, <laughs> which is something wow. that I'm sorely lacking. That was what I was going to say. <laughs> Or you can follow me on Twitter, that is Lorcan Mullen, as it's spelt, L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for Apple N. That is also my Facebook account name. This post-WrestleMania season, Simon, we're really going to try and up our game and, and really interact with you, our listeners, and encourage you to spread the word, and hopefully this will be our year. Much like the last year was the year of Guys like Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns in Vince McMahon's mind. <laughs> <laughs> it will be our year too. And that'll be that'll be it for us now. Uh listen, we will have more stuff out before WrestleMania and after WrestleMania as well. We will do a whole episode where Simon will describe the WrestleMania experience. We'll make a whole well basically I, I will be as a Michael Parkinson to the raconteur Billy Connolly like wit of Simon Cross. <laughs> I was trying to picture you doing a Yorkshire accent. <laughs> well, tell me now, Simon. <laughs> did you actually get anywhere near the moulded arse of Stacey Keebler? Well, <laughs> I don't know why I'm <laughs> the moulded arse. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, get, I think I Stacey has that at the moment, actually. I wonder. It, it must be. Oh, my God. If because, I, I, because I remember that documentary yes. picture in the middle of WrestleMania 18. And I think uh, Stacey, what, uh, I think she said semi-jokingly, I want it in my living room. So I don't know if WWE actually have that or not. My, I know next year. The auction on be, eBay that that could spark. I do know next year um, when they are in Orlando. And there are a few reasons they're going to Orlando is because that's where they're hoping to install a physical Hall of Fame. Yes, well, we'll have to wait and see for that. But in the hopefully, where the time... TNA well, could you imagine if it's where the TNA studio used to be? How yeah. how bitter that. that Maybe they be. have to they have to keep working around that. Like there's literally a statue of Bruno <laughs> Sammartino in the middle of the ring, and they're trying to wrestle around it. Uh, or it should be Andre the Giant. Literally, it becomes the immovable object. <laughs> anyway, this has been a bumper edition of Let Me Tell You Something. My name's Lorcan Mullen. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a great time. Until the next time, farewell,